Welcome to the Functional Medicine and Natural Healing Podcast, where we share the secrets to upgrade your digestion, improve your hormones, restore your immune system, and detoxify your body. I'm your host, Dr. Houston Anderson. Now let's get started. The following discussion is for educational purposes only. It is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or disease process. Always discuss any medical treatments or medical interventions with your personal physician. All right, guys, welcome back to the part two of the fatigue, chronic fatigue podcast. Uh, this is where we go over Q&A uh, that we got from uh, from Instagram. Uh, so you'll see me on there. So definitely check out my Instagram, Dr. Houston Anderson at Instagram. Um, and then uh, as our guest host today, we have Dr. Gabe again. Uh, how you doing, Dr. Hey guys. Gabe? Good to be here. Yeah, great to be here. Cool. So this Q&A will be pretty cut and cut and dry, like right to the point. We're going to give you guys kind of maybe some, some tips and tricks that you guys can use to hopefully start to feel better. So the first question we got, which I think is applicable to everyone in case you don't listen to the rest of the podcast is, what are our favorite supplements to help treat fatigue? Yeah. Go, go ahead. So uh, the ones that I use pretty commonly would be like Tulsi or ashwagandha. Uh, Tulsi, it's a good one. You can take you know, one or two in the morning to see how it goes. Yeah. A really good one for uh, as an adaptogen. So that's kind of their classification. It's a way to adapt to the stress. Ashwagandha is pretty good. It has some extra effects too. Like it can help with like hormone balancing and that sort of thing. Uh, but both are great. Tulsi also has an extra benefit of having a little bit of antimicrobial properties. Does it? So, okay. I, yeah, just a little bit. It's not strong like uh, what we talked about with like Chinese coptis or any of those ones. But you can also open it up and use it as the herb that it is because it's holy basil. That is true. That is true. Yeah. So a couple caveats there. So Tulsi is a little bit of a stem. So like definitely in that morning, like you said, um, not a great one right before bed. So you're not taking it three times a day. Usually you're taking it morning and not lunch kind of time. Um, yep. And then then ashwagandha, I see it both ways. So some people swear that ashwagandha makes them sleep like a baby. Other people I give it to and they stay up for like three days and they hate me for a while. So I see it bo go both ways, which is surprising because I don't hear that much, but that's my experience with it. Um, and one extra thing on ashwagandha, if you know you have nightshade problems, don't take ashwagandha. Yeah, not not worth playing with. There's just other adaptogens. Like you could switch that yeah. ashwagandha to a rhodiola. Um, I mentioned the chaga because I just came out with chaga for AMG Naturals. And the thing that's cool about chaga, it's, it's a slow, it, do, it doesn't kick as fast. But the big thing about chaga that I like for patients so far is that you see a little bit more of an ability to push through fatigue. So like we're all tired, right? But it's like, you know, you sit down on the couch, you're like, I'm absolutely not getting up. But then with chaga, it's like, okay, I guess I can get up and do one more thing. So it almost like makes it more tolerable to be tired while you're still working on that story. And over time, it definitely shows to increase, um, yeah, less malaise post-exertional. So you see less fatigue after workouts and stuff like that. But um, mainly I'm using it, you know, kind of as an anti-inflammatory um, to address one of those components of that fatigue. All right. Uh, all those links will be below. Anything you want to add last on, though? Any any other herbs or supplements you thought of immediately? No, the only other one you actually ended up mentioning was rhodiola. Like, rhodiola is a pretty good one um, if some of these other ones aren't working. The chaga, I have, I've only tried it once, but not yours. So I'm actually excited to try it since you just came out with that one. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, the, the rhodiola, the only reason I don't make rhodiola, and I was going to make rhodiola, is because for me, when I was testing it clinically, I had to get up to like four grams on people. Um, so four to five grams was the clinical dose where they actually felt it. Now, rhodiola is always good, but when, it, when I got up to five grams, people would feel the kick. Um, 
But at five grams, you're looking at like 10 to 15 pills a day, which then made the supplement like 60, 70 bucks. And it's like, I, I just can't, you know, no one wants to buy a $70 supplement that maybe helps them. It's better to keep it a little bit cheaper. So, all right. Makes sense. Let, this is this was a good one. Pregnancy and fatigue, right? So now, obviously, those two go hand in hand. Um, I don't know any women that specifically say every trimester felt amazing. Um, but tell me some of the secrets to pregnancy and fatigue, Doc. So this is going to also uh, play into breastfeeding too. So both are taxing on the female body for sure. You're right. now developing a little baby inside. So you're feeding too, 100%. You are feeding both uh, you and the baby. And so as the baby grows, the more energy is going to be required. In addition to that, you're going to see just the hormone fluctuation. And so you're going to have a struggle if you are not eating a healthy diet, for sure. And so what I have found is protein ends up, again, being a really important one, because not only are you needing to maintain and build new cells yourself, you're building a baby and it's protein. Like every cell is going to require protein. And so you're going to need to get that protein up there, but you also need to be careful with the calories. Uh, you need to eat more calories than you're typically eating. So if you're used to only eating like 1800 calories and it's a struggle to eat more than that, you're going to have to work on that a little bit where yeah. you're going to need to add a little bit more. Breastfeeding is even more so. I think it's an additional three to 400 calories per day if you're going right. to be breastfeeding. And so you are going to have to pay attention to that, especially if you struggle to eat like my wife's side of the family, it's like notorious for them to like just hate food. And so you have to struggle with that. And so you got to go, okay, three solid meals a day, eat them every five hours yeah. um, and let them be high protein meals. For sure. Um, yeah, just as I thought about that, I thought, you know, okay, babies don't want your junk food. So when, when you have that fetus in there, they're going to be stealing all those important nutrients, not the junk, right? So if you think about that, it's it's more about you know nutrient density, right? Hence why we like yeah. red meat because it covers a lot of the bases for that. Um, and once again, we'll get into some diet stuff, some philosophy later. But honestly, like red meat's just like a simple fix because it covers the bases the easiest, um, rather than having to balance out your vegetables and exactly how many of this and that and how to ratios and things like that. It gets complicated. The second thing I'll say is yes, women get less hungry while they're pregnant due to nausea. Now, they're over hungry, but under hungry, right? So the nausea is like a nothing sounds good. Um, I had a young girl yesterday that was only a few weeks pregnant. And that story was was pretty simple. Like she already had nausea, so she didn't want to eat protein. But of course, what's going to fix that? Stabilizing that blood sugar. So that's the biggest thing. And you have to get ahead of it because I get that question a lot too, is how do you treat um, um, dysglycemia in pregnancy, which is called, uh, I can't think of the word right now. Um, uh, you like, you're talking about like gestational diabetes? Gestational diabetes. There we okay. go. So, gestational diabetes occurs like towards the end, but like you're so far into that hormone dysregulation and lack of taking care of your body that, you know, there's not really a very quick fix for gestational no. diabetes. You got to either go 100% hardcore then, which no one really wants to do in the last trimester of the pregnancy, or you have had to have managed it before because it goes back to that insulin story. So you're just going to be fatigued. So it's like, it's like learn your lesson and and move on. And and unfortunately, like, yeah. hey, we're guys. We're lucky we don't deal with that. But but it's a real story of like, okay, there's different ways to kind of address yourself in pregnancy, and all of it's hard, and all of it kind of stinks sometimes. Um, but the end outcome is you know worthwhile to me. So got five of those little guys. So worthwhile. Um, yeah, okay, let's, let's move on. Um, 
always tired even after exercising, right? Thinking they're going to exercise and get this like stem of energy. What's that story? Let's talk about some of those. Oh, man. Uh, I see this. I mean, I've even seen this for myself because of certain toxicities and things that I've dealt with. Um, Like it is a common issue. And one of the things that first comes to my mind is you can't rob Peter, Peter to pay Paul. So there's this idea that, you know, if you're eating enough, it's going to cover everything. And it's like, no, we've proven that calories in calories out is not that simple. For sure. And so we've done like a study on like the Hadza in Africa and the and then sedentary uh, New Yorkers. They both relatively burn the same amount of calories, but the New Yorker is sedentary, whereas the Hadza are wa- walking five to 10 miles a day, carrying things, doing moderate uh, movement and exercise, but right. yet they're burning the same amount of calories. And so what they res- understood is that there's like this constrained theory of energy expenditure. And so if you are expending, say, five to 600 calories on excess movement or something like that, and your immune system is crap, and you're stressed out, and you got uh, digestive problems, all of a sudden, your body is trying to shunt energy to different parts, and you don't have enough energy to shunt. And so now these people are exercising, and they're even more tired. And right. it's because they got a lot of crap going on. Right. So yeah, I, I think that's common. Um, we can talk about protein once again. Like I said, calories do matter. Um, that thyroid story, um, the stress story, right? So just to, for me, like everyone wants to work out as hard as they possibly can. Um, I have this old thing that like I always say, like really a 10 hour walk as slow as you can is like one of the best exercise methods, like long and slow and steady takes me back to some of that Moffatone method stuff. Yeah. Like, like you really got to strengthen the heart's ability to push at a low speed for a long period of time. Um, if you ever go work on a farm only because I'm up here and we have farms surrounding us, the farmers don't go out and work like as hard as they can, as fast as they can. They just consistently do one thing after another, one thing after another. Um, and that's what allows them to increase their output and, and, and duration. So if you're in that fatigue state and you're still hitting high intensity interval training, um, and, and actually, let me just go over some of those that I absolutely hate while you're tired. Intermittent fasting, hate it while you're tired, right? Really, oh, yeah. really stressful on the adrenals, right? High intensity interval training. You may lose weight, you may not lose weight, but that's going to cause a problem. Um, lack of sleep, blood sugar dysregulation, uh, immune inflammation, all of that gets worse when you're tired. So it's like everyone thinks like, well, I do what that my neighbor does and they feel just fine. It's like, yeah, but you started like 10 miles behind them. So once you catch up to your neighbor, honestly, and I tell my patients this all the time, like it took me years to get healthy, but once you're healthy, it's really not that hard to maintain but it does take a journey sometimes to actually get to where you're like, Hey, I'm pretty solid. You know, I can yep. get away with an all nighter, you know, and still feel okay in a couple of days, you know? So I, th- I think that's a big one. Um, silent infections we talked about last time. Um, yep. So if you didn't listen to that podcast, go do it. Toxicity, same thing. Um, especially if you have like extreme muscle soreness after working out, you probably have like an ammonia toxicity or just that liver buildup. Um, something like that's going on to where you're not clearing it enough or you have too much in your body already. We have like your sweat smells like ammonia. That's another big one. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And, and, and once again, so, uh, and let's go over that sweat really quick. Cause it's another something that I'll probably mention all the time, but the, my, my philosophy or what I've experienced with sweating is simply this. If you don't sweat, you're too toxic. Um, and then as you get healthier, you start to sweat. That's kind of the story. Once again, I don't know whether that's a nervous system regulation or a toxicity issue exactly, uh, but you'll find people say like, oh, I don't sweat at all. And that, that's an indication that you're super toxic. And as you start to detox, that sweat starts to happen. 
And then you'll find that when you get toxic after you're healthy, you sweat nice and good. So I made that comment on the last podcast that you should like sweat at least twice a week where you want to take your shirt off and change. Um, but you have to be detoxed enough to even be able to sweat that much. So interesting story. All right. Body feels really heavy in the morning. What would you say to a patient that says that hard to get out of bed? They say. So first few thoughts on that one, whenever I read that question was one diet for sure. If they're not eating, I mean, we're going to, unfortunately it's going to be kind of like the broken record when it comes to diet and protein. It's really, really important. If you slept terribly because you woke up multiple times at night because your blood sugar is all over the place, or if your cortisol is too high at night, that's going to be a really big thing. The other one that jumped out at me in the morning, why are you tired? So it comes down to two things in my mind um, with this, either you lack drive or you lack motivation. Now drive could be a little bit of cortisol, could be testosterone though. Testosterone is huge for that. And then if it's motivation, it's dopamine. And that's something I struggle with personally, uh, low dopamine. And I mean, you lack motivation. There's other symptoms there. Like you may even have, it's probably the most common thing that uh, if somebody's dealing with anxiety or depression, I find it more often than serotonin. Um, And so when we're seeing dopamine type things, you see motivation problems, but you also see like this kind of sense of hopelessness, worthlessness, for sure. See a little bit of apathy, maybe overwhelmed with stress. And so there's an, also a strong connection with dopamine and libido and hormones. So you're going to see a cross uh, connection to that. And so somebody could be struggling with hormones and dopamine, and you got to figure out which one is it. Yeah. And so that, that can be a little bit challenging. But with dopamine, one of the easiest things that I've seen work, I mean, it's not a great fix, but like tyrosine. Some people are low in protein, so they're lacking tyrosine, and tyrosine could be the thing that they need, which connects over to thyroid, because that's how you make your thyroid hormone, too. Right. And it's funny enough, because I've, I've, I've heard a lot of docs like promote tyrosine for thyroid, which obviously is required, um, but I haven't yeah. really seen people's thyroids get better when I give them tyrosine. But you do tell you do see that they feel a ton better, right, which is more of that dopamine process dopamine. where you have enough for both thyroid and dopamine all at the same time. And they start to feel pretty darn good based upon that tyrosine benefit. There's a lot of other things that are required to make that tyrosine work. Yeah. Um, and we'll 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 have to do that because I think neurotransmitters are completely misunderstood and we'll have to do a podcast on that. But for now, let's move on. Dopamine, find that. If you don't know why you need to wake up in the morning, if you don't have that motivation, I'm a huge believer that if you don't have a reason to get up and do something, um, and it can't just be that your kids have to go to school. Like that's not motivation. That's not you. Um, you got to have something that wakes you up and gets you going. Um, and so you got to figure that out. In fact, I have, I have like, yeah, a higher purpose is probably the best way to like, I don't know. It's like an energy hack until you lose that higher purpose or until you accomplish your goal or until you feel like you failed from your goal, that's going to motivate you. Right. So I, I would say no one that's like in love for the first time is tired at all. They can stay up all night and spend time with that person and all that stuff. Like there's more to that, like the oxytocin component, but you, you, when you have that idea or that dream back, uh, you get a lot of that, that motivation. I think in today's day and age, we lo- we've lost a lot of that. Um, kids have that all the time, right? So you see endless energy from them. So just something to think about, like, where are you at in that? Um, and, and if you are depressed, if you are anxious, like what, what are you working at towards that goal? Um, mm-hmm. I remember, uh, you know, Dr. G used to say a lot on just like anything in the morning, you know, think about what you ate the night before. So neck pain, back pains, things like that. Um, 
I said last podcast that if I don't get enough calories, I can't hardly get out of bed. So I'm like obsessed with like, I'll eat at eight, I'll eat at 10. Um, I'll even try to wake up in the middle of the night and catch up on my calories. Now, a wise Dr. Anderson would eat during the day, but sometimes I get really busy and I just don't have time to deal with it. So, um, and then the other one is that you see, see uh, I always tell people, parasites and fungus grow a lot during the evening. So say you ate sugar before bed, that sugar goes and sits with that fungi, that candida all night long, produces lots of toxins. You wake up and you're like groggy, lots of brain fog. You can't get out of your brain fog without like coffee or some kind of caffeine stimulants. Um, that's a big one. And then parasites are histaminic. So they're going to kind of create that like joint pain. Um, and definitely like foot pain in the morning, adrenal kind of story, typical adrenal story. But like those internal toxins don't move at night because what moves your lymph is actual motion. So you see a lot of people are stuck inside that. Um, they just wake up and have toxins just sitting. Once they get going, they feel so much better. Remember, the older we get, the less our liver kind of does that for us while we're just kind of sitting around. All right, so the next person had done parasite cleanses. They've done some adrenal tonics, but they're still tired and their feet hurt in the morning. I forgot that was coming up. Yeah, yeah, no, it kind of, kind of goes right hand in hand with what you just said. I would say the first thing, if it is still parasites or fungus or something like that, then what was the cleanse? Like, is it the wrong herb? Right. Um, sometimes it is, especially when you get these generic, like, protocols online they're multi herbs and oftentimes those things just do not work very well yeah the other thing that came to my mind was a lot of people with like low acid in their stomach and their just bodies kind of more on the alkaline side of things for sure uh, will need some more acid generally in their life period yeah. and so it's yeah. common for them to have like bursitis um, joint pain that sort of thing and it's just like a classic need for more acid. So like, like they can't hydrochloride. They can't sleep on that right shoulder or whatever. That's a good another yep. good sign. A lot of women get that shoulder pain with it. I like that. Um, sorry to catch you off. What else you got there? Oh, you're good. The only other thing would be like food intolerances. So like you're always going to have some sort of inflammatory thing going on, most likely. I've had people with like bilateral, so both feet, uh, plantar fasciitis. Yeah. And if it's bilateral, I'm less thinking structural and more thinking, yeah, you got some inflammatory thing going on. And so oftentimes it's a food intolerance that's gone undiscovered. They don't have any gut issues. And so they find out, oh, no, I'm gluten intolerant. Hey, my feet don't hurt in the morning. <laughs> and so that's a pretty common one that you see. And it's just thinking outside the box. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is, is, okay, you've done the parasite cleanse. You've done some of these things. Maybe it's something else you haven't thought of. Maybe it's yeah. something no one else has thought of. And that's where we need to kind of go into that discovery mode of checking the things that maybe they like heavy metal toxicity or right. other sort of toxins that just are outside the box of where they were at. Yeah. I, the, the one thing, just because you mentioned about the feet. So one thing that we'll go over maybe in the adrenal fatigue podcast is simply that histamine is the strongest stimulant to the adrenal glands. That histamine is coming from a food reaction. Your body, your adrenal glands are getting overstimmed from that histamine all the time, hence why you have that plantar fasciitis and foot pain in the morning. Once you take away the stimulant that makes all the histamine, then all of a sudden your adrenal glands finally get to relax at night instead of be stemmed. I mean, that's kind of like more the chemical explanation of what you just said. But yeah, I think a lot of people don't know that the number one irritant to the adrenal glands is not going to be, and we'll talk about this, it's rarely a primary organ. The adrenal glands don't have as many problems as people think. Um, they deal with a lot of problems and they're kind of stuck in that boat of having to deal with the fact that you keep eating the food that you're allergic to. That being said, last thing on the adrenals there, 
is that the adrenals do get damaged, right? So anytime you have a, a liver or an adrenal or a pancreas that's overworking, you have cellular kind of components that don't work as well as they did originally, right? And as soon as you have something that's not working well, that's where like, you don't just take an adaptogen to feel better. That's not going to work, but you can fix the root cause, take your adaptogen to build back those cells that are broken down from over time of just essentially you abusing your body. We all abuse our bodies. I've, I've admitted to that a couple of times today. So, um, yep. okay. Next question, minerals and fatigue. What do you see with minerals, doc? Electrolytes. So that'd be the first one that I think come to my mind is we often are not eating enough salt, especially yep. as you switch to a paleo diet or some whole food diet, you're not eating enough salt because now you're not getting all the processed foods. And right. so you're, you're struggling with that. Um, and then there could be just an increased workload on your body. And so you might need a little bit more of certain minerals. And so from that, uh, of course, there's it's a broad thing with minerals. So is it iron deficiency? So yeah. like you're lacking iron. So iron deficiency anemia is huge um, with the thyroid, selenium and zinc is like absolutely crucial in order for you to create T3. Right. And I've seen that quite often. People lack selenium or zinc. Zinc's probably a really, really common one zinc deficiency. And that's because we're not eating um, necessarily the right foods, whether it's steak, liver, red meat, uh, oysters is high in zinc, that sort of thing. And so if you lack that, you're not converting properly. And then you got to think of, uh, and we alluded to this earlier with toxicity, but uh, with heavy metals and that sort of thing, but your citric acid cycle, the Krebs cycle, the thing that anyone who went through biochemistry or chemistry in general hated learning about yeah, yeah. runs on many, many minerals. And so without certain minerals, you're not going to be effectively working on that. And so minerals are used all over the place. And if we're deficient in one of them, you can guarantee you, you're going to be tired. Yep. I like that. I, I'm not even going to add anything to that other than the fact that everyone's obsessed with mineral supplements. And I just don't use them that much in my office because the, the concept is if you eat semi-healthy, and if you take a variety of herbs, you're going to get a lot of those minerals there. If you're eating much closer to where it came out of the ground um, or pulled off the tree, you're going to have a lot of those minerals there. Anyway, you can get behind. I just, yeah, for, in my office, at least we say like, yeah, the electrolytes are like the base of that whole pyramid. They're the most important. Worry about electrolytes way before you worry about specific minerals. And just because it's all over Instagram, Dr. Anderson does not like the mineral brand that I can't tell you that's in a blue bottle, right? So um, it does cause <laughs> a lot of people, I, I get an email a day on that, right? And it's it's literally yeah. because what I, what I found is that it causes a little bit of copper toxicity in most women, right? That's kind of my findings. It's my personal thing, but I had too many people come in with like extreme like anxiety that like just couldn't handle it. Hence why I like the variety of herbs rather than like one company's product. And that's why AMG Naturals doesn't make a mineral product. Um, because I, I like the, the other method better. But once again, that's personal preference. We could argue about that with someone else and that'd be fun. Um, um, okay, normal fatigue versus abnormal fatigue. Um, that's a hard one. What, what, what do you think on that one? I mean, so like normal fatigue in this sense. So like if it's just life, generally you're going to wake up refreshed. You're going to be able to move through your day without any need for caffeine. You're going to feel overly good. And yeah. you were, you're going to work out. You're not going to feel like it's just beating you up or anything like that. You might feel even a little bit energized from it, but at the very end of the day, you're going to start feeling that sleep pressure come on and you're ready to go to bed. You go to sleep easily. You sleep through the night. 
So really, it's just the normal tiredness that you would get at the end of the day that's not uh, overly tired or anything like that. You're just ready to go to sleep. Whereas like abnormal is pretty much everything else we've talked about on the last podcast and this podcast. Yep. Uh, and that is where it's not totally normal at all to wake up tired, wake up, need caffeine, need caffeine in the afternoon, whatever it is to get you through the day. Right. Okay. I, li- I like that. I don't, I don't have a lot to add to that. So let's move on to the next question. Someone says they sleep long enough, but not soundly or deeply enough how to change that. So let me just jump on this really quick. I know we have a lot of things like aura rings that we can use. Um, let's just not say that anyone has to have an exact number of REM sleep, right? So it can vary per person. It can even, I mean, there's even studies that suggest that you can come in and out of it and it doesn't need to be consistent and you can get the same benefits. That being said, you do need to sleep somewhat soundly. So on that, I say you can wake up once a night to go to the bathroom and that's pretty typical. You know, when you get to two or three, that might be too much. Um, So that's something there. But if you're 85 years old, three might be a typical number there, regardless of, and, and it has to do with whether your tissues have good, you know, elasticity still or not. So you may just not be able to hold it that long. There may not be much reversible on that, or there could. So say you have an enlarged prostate for a male, then yeah, you could definitely fix that. And then you would pee less often uh, in the middle of the night. Or say you don't though, then it's a matter of like, okay, what else is going wrong? And how much of this is just an aging process? I don't like to say old age. So I always say we try before we say old age um, and we give it a good shot. Um, Yeah, biggest things in the middle of the night. Um, Caffeine, I think, uh, what's your rule on caffeine, doc? What do you do in your office? I don't see it as the biggest thing in the world as causing, you know, the most issues at all. I know others will disagree with me on that. Yeah. I have seen it in the past, depending on how I test, but I've never seen it be a big hitter with anyone. Um, if they're doing a lot of it, I usually will have them back off of it. Otherwise, I will recommend that it's coming from an organic, natural source. That way it comes with its actual detoxifying agents like uh, niacinamide B3. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, when you're taking a synthetic one, it it often is the thing that's going to lift you and drop you instead of this that nice uh, motion going down. But you should get all your caffeine in if you're going to actually drink it before 11 o'clock during the day or else you could struggle with sleep at night. But it's not a bad idea to cycle off of caffeine and see how you do. You know, of course, if you get the caffeine wonderful uh, withdrawal headache, yeah. you, that's probably a good sign that you just need to get off of it and stay off for a little while. Yeah, right. Most people take that caffeine headache as like they can't stop it, right? <laughs> but, yeah. but, but the reality is, no, they need to. I, I know, uh, you know, just uh, Dr. Charlie is big on like no caffeine, right? I love that. Yeah. Um, and I wish I could tell everyone that, but I feel kind of mean when I'm telling a tired person, absolutely no caffeine. And they're going to have this Same. rebound fatigue and they're going to be crash. And, you know, so the reality is like, I think we'll both both agree that zero caffeine is the best. Right. We'll just leave yeah, it at that. Yeah, yeah. No, I would agree with that. Yeah. But what I do in my office, I tell people absolutely no more than 100 milligrams of caffeine. And then, yeah, I kind of have that lunchtime is like the last time you could see that stuff in the day. Um, and the big reason that Dr. Charlie quotes and I agree with is simply that that um, that caffeine stays in your system for over 24 hours. So today's oh. coffee is building on yesterday's coffee, which is building on the previous day's coffee. And you're, you're not really getting all of it out fast enough to be starting from zero every day. On a note, the same thing goes for thyroid medication, uh, which is one of the big problems with it too, is that you don't have 100% of that thyroid med out of your out of your system by the next day. So you're really stacking drugs and that's a complicated story. But we'll also, just because that's there, um, 
I will say in my practices where I have a lot of people that have seen naturopaths already are on thyroid medications. I used to say the number one cause of insomnia in my office is thyroid medication. Um, so it's because it doesn't stop at night. It stays in your system all night long. So that means your body's saying, go, go, go. So something to think about there, because a lot of the, the naturopaths in my area, I'm not saying naturopaths, medical doctors, whatever, whoever's prescribing it, um, they're trying to jump that number down to like a 0.5 on the TSH. And it's like, really, you could function at like a three where optimal is. It really depends on that person. But like, if I had insomnia and I was at a 0.5, I'd rather have sleep and be at a 2.5 or something like that. So we had to play with that with patients a little bit. But I, I thought, I, I didn't think about that till now. But definitely, if you're not sleeping soundly and you're on a thyroid medication, definitely think about that guy. Um, and then without beating the tired horse, we're going to say that, you know, blood sugar and protein status are really important. Yeah, yeah cool. I agree. Let's hop to the next one then. What are some solutions for daily fatigue from 3 to 4 p.m.? What does that mean, Doc? I think we're going to beat the dead horse again. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it's almost always uh, because of lunch was being too high of a carbohydrate type lunch, not enough protein. And so they're winding up with low blood sugar levels around 3 to 4. Of course, it could be, you know, end of the day stress. Their work is stressful. Got a terrible boss or something like that. Yeah. So that could be it. But most commonly, that afternoon crash is due to poor diet. Yeah, I always say like, so right now I'm doing carnivore with fruit. That's kind of my diet protocol right now. And, uh, you know, I, I eat, I'll just say I eat unlimited meat, right? Like, but there's no fatigue after you eat like as much meat as you can. There's zero <laughs> fatigue. Um, and, and so what's getting, it's because your blood sugar starts to stabilize. And if your blood sugar is stable and the protein doesn't do a huge spike, you don't have that crash afterwards. So one would be, yes, way more protein. Um, but that adrenal fatigue pattern is that afternoon pattern, right? That's cortisol dysregulation. You can talk about circadian rhythms, all that stuff. Um, are you staying up too late? Are you waking up too late? Like, have you started, are you, are you that 12 PM, like middle of the night, you're going to sleep 1 AM, you're going to sleep, waking up at seven, burning at both ends of the candle. But that's that typical adrenal fatigue story. And what happens is your cells become resistant to cortisol stimulation. So that's kind of a, a high cortisol become the receptor cells become uh, resistant to that. So I'll say we'll, we'll leave it at that one unless you have anything else. No, I think that's good. Cool. Uh, I, I like these when they add a little bit more. Uh, female age 29, started at 14, fatigued, acne, digestive issues, blood tests, all normal ranges. What's your first thing, Doc? So, I mean, age 14, I would want to know when did your period start? Yeah, it doesn't even matter. Going on. Yeah, still got to be the period, yeah. right? Yeah, hormone. <laughs> Like, that's where I'm wondering, like, okay, um, thyroid, that's another big one. I want a full thyroid panel, what's going on, because oftentimes blood tests are all normal ranges. They often don't run a full gamut. Right. And so I would want to know just in, just in case. Um, and then otherwise, if it's not anything like hormone or thyroid related, then we're going to go back to some of the, the typical things that we're thinking of, which is like food intolerances, silent infections, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so especially with digestive issues. We've got the uh, acne going on. Um, acne is often a reflection of your gut, if not hormones. And yeah. so all of that, we're going to want to investigate the gut and what's going on. Yeah. So I, I love that. I would say uh, acne is always a liver problem. It just depends on uh, where it's yeah. coming from. You know, it could be coming yeah. from inflammatory cytokines or immune stimulation, could be coming from the gut, could be coming from just like a horrible diet. But if you clean up the diet, then maybe we're back to gut. Um, 
acne is like my least favorite thing to treat in the office when someone comes in and they're not eating healthy because like it's a whole journey, right? Like, yeah, yeah, um, no, it is. It takes a long time. Yeah. And, but, but I have plenty of like estheticians that actually send me patients once they know that that person is eating pretty healthy, right? Um, and sometimes we do have to pull out that specific food allergen that's causing the stimulation to the adrenals. But yeah, with acne, you start to wonder what's that blood sugar? Is it converting all the estrogen and the testosterone? What's that acne pattern? Things like that. Um, yeah, I mean, hormone balance, we didn't really throw out a lot of supplements for all of these things. Um, everyone knows that we use a ton of artichoke extract in my in my yeah. practice for the hormone balancing. Um, we mentioned bioglycozyme last time. Um, my new uh, liver favorite product is the burdock root. Um, you're just seeing really powerful detoxes from that for the liver, which I wasn't getting with some of the other products I was using. Still, I have a milk thistle that might come out soon, but it's not that strong. Um, it's more like a low and slow, but the research is there and the product tests muscle tests. So that's good. Um, and then let's go to the last question then. How do you address fatigue from Epstein-Barr virus? So when it's Epstein-Barr, the question I have, and this is really common for somebody to come in, they have high Epstein-Barr antibodies. And I always have to explain that doesn't mean you have Epstein-Barr. Right. It just means it just means your antibodies are high. And that's always one of those things. Like when your immune system stimulated, your antibodies are going to start producing kind of in a more general sense. And so yeah. you don't necessarily have it. And that's why even like Lyme disease and some of these things are difficult where somebody goes out of their way to do all the testing to find the one little test that shows them that they have antibodies and say, see, this is what it is. And it ends up unfortunately being a little bit of confirmation bias. Yeah. Um for sure. And so let's say that it is Epstein-Barr, and that's what they're dealing with. And so then it's going to be the right herbs. And so you mentioned one earlier, olive leaf is a great antiviral. I see sure. stragglers quite often. It's a pretty good antiviral. There's a few others, but those are probably common ones that you would definitely use. Um, and then I would want to support the immune system. Now, I, I do tend to use quite a bit of vitamins, minerals, and things like that in my practice as I see the need. And so vitamin A and vitamin D are huge immune regulators and immune support. And so I end up using quite a bit of that. There's definitely some other ones depending on the patient. Like scutellaria is really good. Uh, Chinese skullcap for supporting yeah. the immune system. And so I might see that. It just kind of depends on what the person needs. But the, yeah. I think those ones are pretty good general recommendations. Yeah, I'll throw out that really quick. So a lot of people listening are like, oh, I take vitamin D. I'm so good. I, I love myself. But I would tell you like, 100 times to one, I prefer vitamin A over vitamin D as far as actually getting a clinical result. So I asked how many people are taking vitamin A and I prescribe vitamin A very regularly. And then everyone always emails me the next day, isn't this vitamin A going to kill me? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, it's Unless not. Unless you eat a polar bear uh, liver. <laughs> yeah, so you would have to get ridiculous amounts and obviously your doctor is gonna prescribe that specific amount. Um, do you use biotics research for that A and D still? I do. Yeah. I use their little liquid droppers. I find them great. You can measure it really easily and get it in. I like it quite a bit. So I, I use it pretty regularly during the winter, cold and flu season. So. Yeah. yeah. And then there's the stragglers for the immune system you're using Supreme's products, Supreme nutrition. I am using Supreme's for Stragglers. Cool. We'll yep. throw the links down there just so people have them. Once again, I know we didn't do a ton of supplementation. What I'll do is I'll go back through those show notes and try and just add a couple of those links so that you guys have easy access to those. Definitely on the questions where we mentioned them, I'll make sure that you have those. Um, anything else? Is there any other questions you think that they missed when they asked these questions, Doc? I mean, for fatigue, I think we pretty much hit 
in and around everything that I would see in the office on a day-to-day basis. Usually I'm seeing like the food intolerance, the infection, that sort of thing. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's some random one that I'm missing that would come in, but these are definitely the most common. Yeah, I, I think we covered most of it to a large degree. Anything else, which I'm sure someone that still has questions, it's the question I always say, like, have you covered the basics yet? Everyone wants something fancy. They want a new disease. But when people walk into our offices, if you haven't figured out your food sensitivities, that's a problem. If you haven't figured out what silent infections or stealth infections you have, that's a problem. And if you go to those two first, those are the probably the most common ones that people are missing. Um, and even with the food allergies, people are like, well, I'm already gluten-free and dairy-free. I'm like, well, what if it was nice shades or corn? You know, yeah. and, you know yeah. so like you completely missed the boat. And that's not your fault you tried, but like that's where, you know, someone can come in and help. And so that's why I always say like, the question is, when do you need help for adrenal fatigue? I, I don't know, when, when you can't stand it anymore, right? So um, I'm not a big proponent of people having to come to my office all the time. Um, but I, I do think like if you've tried 32 different things, um, and if you're going to go spend another $300 on supplements, you might as well just pay the $300 to the doc to figure it out for you um, uh, or whatever it is, right? And, and pay that money so that they can work with you because as you've seen, hopefully our thought processes are a little bit different. The other thing I hope that everyone's seen on this podcast is simply that we kept going back to the same things, right? And and a lot of you were like, oh no, it's it's probably not protein because I already have 20 grams of protein a day, right? I already eat my black beans and my peas and those have lots of protein in them, right? Um, I'm like, okay, go ahead and eat 32 cans of black beans today, please. So we can get that number up. And they're like, oh, I don't want to do that. So I'm like, okay, now we're back to the protein sources from animal sources. And that's what it is. Uh, Once again, remind them just because this is only your second podcast, Doc, how do they get a hold of you? And how would they schedule a phone consultation if they're not in your local area? So you can easily Google my name. I'll pop up on Google pretty easily since I have a unique last name, drrichu.com, D-R-A-R-I-C-I-U.com. I have a booking um, link there. And then you just click virtual consult. And I'm pretty easy to get a hold of too. Like in the show notes, you, you'll probably have my my email and whatnot. Pretty easy to get a hold of unless it's like the weekend and I'm with family or something like that. But uh, yeah, that's how I, you get, get a hold of me. I do have a Facebook and Instagram. I'm not as much on there as Houston is, but. Yeah. yeah, we'll we'll get we'll get them on Instagram. We'll have a lot more there, but uh, uh, but yeah, that's where you guys can find me right now. That's my primary contact method is straight through Instagram. Uh, it's hard to keep up with every platform, but if you have questions, whether you're seeing this on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, or just listening to a podcast, hit me up on Instagram. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me right now, and we will bring you another episode in another week. We'll see you next time. Bye, yep. Doc. See you next time.